0: Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I wanted to ask a question this morning to kind of open it up. Many of you, at least somewhere in your lifetime, have probably uh, been to a professional sport game, whether it be college football or professional football, or it could be any number of type of games. It might be soccer That's not as usually thrilling around here as much, but in other countries, it's a really big deal. What I'm saying is you go to some place where there's literally tens of thousands of people, thousands of fans that, and if you do go to a professional game, it ain't cheap. I mean, in other words, these are are, our fans. There's a reason they're willing to spend the money. And I remember several years ago, I was given several times tickets to uh, go to St. Louis to go see the Cardinals. And my wife and I invited one of our good friends to go up with us, and and they were playing the Giants, which happened to be his favorite team from when he was a kid where he grew up in California. And so he was excited about that. And uh, we get there, and there's tens of thousands of people building up, all these fans. I mean, it's like they just come out of nowhere, you know. If you got there real early, you know, you can look around, maybe count a couple hundred, but then all of a sudden it's 30,000, 40,000. I mean, I think they can do somewhere near 50,000 there, I think, something like that. It's just an insane amount of people in one place. And if you look around, though, beyond these fans that are willing to, to go through everything they did to get there and pay all that money you see a smaller percentage of them, but nonetheless, they're there at any professional game or college game, and that is fanatics. Everybody say fanatics. And what I mean by the fanatics is these guys aren't just fans. These guys are excessive. In other words, these are the guys that, when I was there at the Cardinals game, that were painting themselves red and white. Sometimes their face, sometimes a whole lot more than their face. I mean, and they they have Everything, I mean, every shirt, hat, every paraphernalia you could possibly get, and they come there committed and ready to back up their team no matter what their team does, whether the team does good or bad, they're fanatics for their team. You know, when we consider fanatics, you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm gonna ask you, are you a fanatic for Jesus? Now, we're gonna look into what is a fanatic, okay? And so, I want you to be thinking throughout the service, am I fanatical for Jesus? Am I fanatical? Not just a fan. See, there's a difference between a fan and a fanatic, all right? Big difference. Well, we don't want to just be fans of Jesus. We want to be fanatics for Jesus. And so, let's look at some things to help us define what is a fanatic. So, the dictionary defines the word fanatic as a person marked by excessive enthusiasm or intense devotion. So a fanatic is somebody that is excessive in their enthusiasm and intense in their devotion. And if you look up the word excessive, it means this. So, Because I really want to break this down. Excessive means exceeding what is usual, proper, necessary, or normal. So, a fanatic is excessive, meaning they are not average. Okay, they are not an average person. A fanatic is marked by an enthusiasm that exceeds what is usual, proper, necessary, or normal. A fanatic is also a person marked by an intense devotion. Okay, so let's look up the word intense. The word intense means a person marked by or expressive of great zeal. Energy, determination, or concentration. In other words, this is a person who exhibits strong earnestness of purpose. They're very focused. And the word devotion, I like this. The word devotion means the act of being passionately dedicated and loyal. Passionately dedicated and loyal. They're doing this, okay? They're not just acting like it, they are passionately dedicated and loyal. So let's put it together here, okay? So therefore, a fanatic is someone, or described as someone, who is enthusiasm exceeds what is usual, proper, necessary, or normal, and expresses great zeal, energy, and determination, and is passionately dedicated, loyal, and extremely focused. That is a fanatic. Now, I want to ask you this, with that definition of a fanatic, what if... Jesus looked at you and said, you are a fanatic for him? Or what if Jesus looked at me and said, hey, that's a fanatic for me? Or even better yet, on top of all that, because we're all together, he said, that is a fanatical church for me. That is a fanatical church, not an average church. I don't know about you, I don't want to be the average person for Jesus. I want to stand out. I really do. And you'll see throughout what I'm going to talk about, I don't mean standing out to say, look at me. I want to be standing out to say, look at Jesus. All right? But that we want to be fanatical. Everybody say fanatical. And I really want to get this in you. A fanatic, in the way we're talking about it, is someone on fire for God. They are loyal. They are dedicated. They are an extreme follower. They're not just someone who is a fan. See, a fan is what? A fan is just a spectator, just someone who likes to observe, okay? Most fans don't even go to the game. They wouldn't spend that much money. Dear Lord, I'm not spending $7 for a hot dog and $8 for a pop and just to sit down in an $80 seat and, and it could rain or it's sweaty, it's hot. It's, it's that, they're, they're just a fan. So they'll say, well, I'll just watch it from the comfort of my television. There's a lot of Christians who have that attitude. Oh, I'll just be comfortable and stay back here. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. I just want to watch. Well, that's not a fanatic. That is not an extreme follower. That is what? Someone who's just happy to generally be aware of what's going on, but doesn't really want to get hooked up and involved. And so we don't want to just be a fan. We want to be a fanatic. So what is a Christian fanatic? Well, my old pastor, where I'm from, he used to say this a lot. He used to say a fanatic, and I'm going to use the word Christian fanatic, is someone who loves Jesus more than you. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. Because sometimes we could say, well, that person over there, I've seen them at church or I've seen them at different places, and man, they're always witnessing, they're on fire, man, they're the first ones with their hand raised up, they are just always excited, they're always at every workday, they're they're just, they're always there, they're always up, they're always fanatical, they're always looking for the next opportunity. You say, they're fanatical, right? You'd say, they're not the average member, they're someone different okay they're a fanatic well another way to say that is well and this this is tough for us to respond to but i would say well they they love jesus more than you or they love jesus more than me why well the, see what we need to understand is the fanatics life will express what they're fanatical about it will leak out in every area just like a sports fan you go you go to a, you go to a fanatic of you know whatever team you could think of, I promise you there's paraphernalia in their house. They're everywhere. These are the guys pushing for the season tickets even though they could barely afford them because they're fanatics about what what they're into. Well, that's wonderful. And in the world, there's fanatics for all kinds of things like that. And we think that's okay. But the moment a Christian gets fanatical for Jesus, whoa, whoa, let's not get so serious about this Bible thing now. I mean, we don't really have to get to the point that we really change our life for the Lord. Come on now. I mean, I I remember people in my life that prayed and prayed and prayed, I'd get my life right. That I would start following the Lord. And the moment I did, man, I just went full bore. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't have to really change your life completely to follow the Lord. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to, like, follow everything the Word of God says and, and obey the Lord on everything. I mean, come on now, let's, let's, let's spread it out a little bit. I mean, you could have a little bit of fun and do these kind of things and go to church. And Anybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, they don't want you. Fanatical means you went a little further than they did. In other words, I'm more hungry than they are. I, I want Jesus more. I want to please Jesus more. What, what should our life be all about? our life's aim all about it should be all about becoming more and more like christ that is exactly what your aim in life is now you may have a special call you may have god has special things and gifts and abilities for all of us but there's one thing we have in common And that is, we should all desire to become more and more like Christ. And that doesn't mean we know more about Christ. There's a difference there. Knowing more about Christ is not becoming like Him. Becoming like Him is what? Acting like Him. In other words, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Well, He went around loving people. He would literally give the shirt off His back. He would literally go out of his way to help someone. He would forgive easily. He would heal. He would do what was necessary to help. Well, then you ask yourself, what do I do in life? Do I say, well, I'll help where it's comfortable as long as I don't get uncomfortable. See, the you know, isn't it amazing the American vision, so to speak, <laughs> is to get prosperous enough that we're comfortable in life. And I want you to know that God is not an American. He's not an American. Now I think America is the greatest country in the world. How many would agree with me? All right. I mean I think America is great, and I and I, I and I love America. But I want you to understand God's not America. He's not into voting. <laughs> he he is a. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. Even though we would like to say that the devil's on the Democrat side and God's on the Republican side, he's not. I mean, he, he is God. You understand what I'm saying? He is the king, amen, over it all. And so sometimes as Americans, we think, well, we're it. I mean, this is the way. You want to be a Christian? Follow me and look like me. And so we also have this thing about being comfortable, That our whole striving in life is getting to the point where we can be extremely comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with comfort except when it gets in the way of being a fanatic for Jesus. That's where you need to draw the line say, no, Jesus trumps my personal comfort right now. I need to make the decision that I'm going to obey him at all costs. Whatever he says in his word, whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to do. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, I guarantee you, in this message, you're going to be thinking, "Man, where am I at?" Don't be thinking about someone else. Don't be thinking about your spouse, or don't be thinking. About, you just think about you. You look in the mirror of your own life and and ask yourself, "How hungry I, am I for the Lord? Am I still as hungry and thirsty as I once was? Am I still as passionate as I once was, or do I just drum it up? When I need to, I can act passionate." When I need to, I can act like God is number one. But the question is, what does your real life say? Your words, your thoughts, your actions. Well, they are what express what's most important to you. What's most important to you. And see, we can get so lost in so many other things in this life and forget what is most important. When it all comes down to it, and we leave this life, can you take anything with you? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing you can take is people that you help reach for the Lord, whether it be prayer or whether it be you witnessing and getting involved in their life. The fact is, you, we can work so hard in this life and you know what? That's why Jesus said, listen carefully, that's why Jesus said, don't work so hard to gain things. He said what? Seek first the kingdom of God and His way of living and doing. And all these things will what? Be added to you. If we will just focus on putting Him first, and focus on our relationship with Him, and focus on His desires, His plan, and His Word, the things in life that we desire, the things we need, they'll come to us. We won't be seeking them, but there's so many Christians that are wasting a lot of their life seeking and pursuing things to make them happen. When it's, it's futile. It's for nothing. Because when it's all said and done, guess what? How many would agree it's easier to give something away you did not earn? How many would agree? If you have to work really hard to save and scratch and, and all kinds of work to get something, and the Lord said, I want you to give that away. And you're like, I'm, 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 I'm. but Lord, that was five years of my life. I mean, you know what I did to get that? But see, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and put him first and not work so hard to get things, then he adds the things to you. And he says, give it away. You say, Sure. <laughs> I didn't work for that. God just gave it to me. God just added it to me. I didn't pursue it. I didn't give my life to it. Are you all following me? There's a big difference there. And so what we want to do is, again, say, I'm a fanatic. Well, that was weak. Say, I'm a fanatic for Jesus. Remember, fanatics aren't average, are they? They're not average. They're not normal. A fanatic you can pick out of a crowd really fast. And so we don't want to be hiding. You know, it's, it's like, let's find who's a Christian and who's not. You know, I'm just hiding. I'm a secret agent for the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to live such a life that you have to guess <laughs> whether I'm a Christian or not. No, we should be bold and outward, right? Amen? Isn't that how Jesus was? Did you see Jesus hiding anywhere? No. And what did he say? He said he'd make us fishers of men. That means what? We're out in the open fishing for men. We're out in the open doing what, what uh, he called us to do, amen? Let's look at some fanatics in the Bible. A couple of examples real quick, just to give you an idea of how far a fanatic will go. Now the, the Bible, I want you to know, is filled with fanatics for God. Filled with them. In fact, almost every single one of the great stories that you can think of was a fanatic willing to go to the edge for the Lord. But we're just going to look at a couple of them. Remember the story of King Nebuchadnezzar? and the golden statue, remember, he created. King Nebuchadnezzar created this golden image and forced everyone in the kingdom to bow down before his golden image or face death. Okay, Everybody remember that story? Well, there were three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that refused to bow. Now, they were not just nobodies, okay, but they were Jews run by an operation that was ungodly. Okay, so they're there, and God's blessing them. But then came this decree from the king, and and you cannot take back the word of the king. Okay, when the word has gone out, and so that's why a king should really what thoughtfully give his words out. Because uh, remember the Midas with the golden touch? Well, that seemed like a great thing until everything started turning to gold. Right? He regretted what he did. Well, the word of a king, he can say something and then regret shoot but he can't take it back it's written that's the way it is so he makes this decree and he actually probably admired these three men he didn't like this idea so he's upset though when he hears word comes back to the king that these three guys aren't bowing and so he calls for the three men personally so apparently they meant something to him all right they were important people in his kingdom and so He calls them forth and personally speaks to them and tells them, listen, guys, I'm going to give you one more chance, okay? And uh, you know the story? That they didn't take that chance. (laughs) He said, listen, if you don't do this, I'm going to throw you into that fiery furnace. In other words, that was certain death. And that was his threat. And they said, listen, king, you can do basically whatever you want, but we're not bowing. Now, how many would agree these guys are fanatics? I mean, they're not just... God fans, because a God fan would say, where do I sign up and can I get knee pads? How many would agree? A fan is, an average person is going to do what? Like everybody else in the kingdom. Get down on their knees and bow. But see, these guys, no, they believe in their God whom they have not seen. They have not seen God. But they believe in him, and they believe his word, and they know he's true to his word. And so they, they say, we're not bound, king. You can do whatever you want. We believe that our God will save us. But even if he doesn't save us, we're not bowing. So let's jump into this story. Dan- Daniel chapter 3, you can look on the screen, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, in other words, after the threat of throwing the fiery furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will deliver us from your hand, O King. A lot of times we read this story and say, man, these guys were willing to just die for the Lord. I don't believe they believed they were going to die. I believe these three men in faith said, our God will deliver you from your hand, O King. And I mean, they meant it. We don't emphasize on These guys were faith guys. They really, truly believe that you can throw us into that fiery furnace. You can do what you want, but we're not going to burn. God's going to save us. And now they don't know how He's going to do it. They don't know, but they said, even if our God said He wasn't going to for whatever reason, then we burn, we burn, but we're not bowing. That is a fanatic. How many would agree? That is fanatical. So again, we have here, Verse 17, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. That is absolutely fanatical. They were willing to give their lives for God. Willing to go that far. Now they believed, again, God would save them, but they had no other than God's general word that he would protect us. That's all they had to stand on. That's all they had. But the fact is, they were not going to bow. What would you do if a gun was pointed to your head and said, Deny Christ or die? What would you do? You say, Well, I would, I would absolutely not deny Christ, really. Well, I heard someone say one time that if you won't live for Christ on an extreme level, you certainly won't die for Him. Does everybody hear what I said? If you won't live for Him on an extreme level, what makes you think that you would die for Him? It's easy for us to give words to say, I'd say, take me out. I would not deny Christ no matter what. No matter what. You can do whatever you want to do to me. I know whom I serve and whom I believe in. I didn't say what I believe, I said whom I believe. Do you see the difference there? I know him, and I know him. Now, I know this, that the Bible says that a thousand can fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. You can try to shoot him, but I'll bet you it won't work. <laughs> if we're believing it in faith. And I've heard that story many, many times. Somebody just putting a gun right up to someone, or right up to a preacher, and they're shooting, they're firing, and that bullet's dunk, 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 dunk. How many of you guys think that an angel is better than having Superman on your side? <laughs> I mean, an angel could just <laughs> I mean, it ain't touching you. I mean, or I, I. mean, what I'm trying to say is that doesn't mean that just because we say that we would lay our life down that, that we're going to be put in that position. It's just, if I might. But the question is, are you fanatic for the Lord? Will you lay everything down? And again, if we won't live for him in a fanatical way why would we die for him in a fanatical way and that really gets us thinking about our own lives our own lives amen should all be about Jesus amen now another fanatic again there's so many of them we could look at but we're gonna look at one more is Paul the apostle Paul the apostle was a fanatic for the Lord I mean absolutely gave everything up for him He didn't just talk a good talk. He walked it. And I mean, let's look at some of the things that he had faced. I mean, no matter what the challenge, what the circumstance, a good or bad, he was absolutely sold out to Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Are you sold out to Jesus? Before you answer that, think about it. What does sold out mean? There's no more room for anything else. So if I'm sold out to Jesus, what does that mean? I'm I'm sold out. There's no room for me here. There's no room for anything else except Him because I'm sold out to Him. Amen? I want you just to think about that in your heart. Are you sold out to Him? Or can other things creep in? Do you have little areas that you hold, so to speak, and say, Lord, you can have this part of me, but... You, you, this part, this part, this part of my life, I would, I would appreciate you. You try to hide it from him, so to speak. And we don't want that. We want to give everything to him. So let's look at some of the things Paul faced. In 2 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23 in the New Living Translation, I'm just going to jump into the end of 23. It says, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Verse 24 Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, guys. What does that mean? What they did with Jesus when they whipped him. All right? Five times with 39 lashes. Man, I tell you, he went through some stuff. Verse 25 Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, which by the way, he died he was left for dead and then apparently he might have actually went to heaven and came back after that but once i was stoned 3 times i was shipwrecked once i spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea i have traveled on many long journeys I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. How many would agree that Paul was not your average Christian? Now, I want you to think about that. How many would think that Paul was called of God? But did you know that God, before Paul did what he did and put himself in a certain level of danger, that God forewarned it? In other words, he told them, These things are going to happen when you go, remember, when you go to Jerusalem. And the, the the prophet said, some bad things are going to happen. And Paul said, whatever needs to happen, happen. Man, I tell you, that is a guy dead. He had an opportunity to say, well, Lord, that sounds good. Maybe you should send him. <laughs> he knew what was going to happen. In other words, God chose Paul. Why did God chose him? Because at one time, he was fanatical thinking he was doing something for God. And God knew he will give his life on every level. He will do whatever's necessary to do what I've called him to do. Man, I tell you, that is not an average Christian. Most Christians say, well, it's raining. I, I probably shouldn't go to church. I might get wet. Am I wrong? I guarantee you, we have a good storm. And I'm not talking about a flood storm. I'm talking about just some rain coming down. There will be people who don't come to church because... It's a little uncomfortable, you know. That's, that's definitely not fanatical. <laughs> y- y'all, boy, it's quiet. <laughs> and I, what I want you to do is look deep in your heart as we look at these things. Amen? Listen to me. Followers of Christ are not to be normal. Followers of Christ are not to be normal. We're not supposed to be the normal average person. A fanatic is not normal. When Jesus was on the earth, how many would consider him normal? Dear Lord, he whipped up things everywhere he went. I mean, there was there I mean I'm serious. Everywhere he went, something was stirred up because Jesus was not normal. He was not average. He stood out. How many would agree he was fanatical at fulfilling the will of his father? Remember, when he was sitting in the garden, sweating drops of blood, knowing what was about to happen. And he, and he prayed, Father, if there's any other way. And then he mustered up the strength with the Holy Ghost inside him. Not my will, but your will, Lord. Not my will. And he got up and he kept on going. You and I have the same capability. You say, well, he's the Lord. Well, that Lord lives in you. Amen. That same strength. Can we do all things through Christ who strengthens us? In other words, we can face things, we can do things. That doesn't mean, guys, that you're going to face whippings and beatings. But sometimes we won't even share Christ for fear that someone might call us a name. We're not they're not going to no one no one in Muskogee is going to stone you. Okay? Right? No one's going to do anything like that, but we're, we're afraid we'll be ostracized. We'll, we're afraid if I say anything, if I'm bold about it, if I just stop in the grocery store and I just come out and, and say, Can I pray for you right now? and get on your hands and knees while they're in a wheelchair and put your hands on their knees. Well, God forbid if I do that, everybody's going to see me. <laughs> Think about it for a minute. Would Jesus hesitate? Not in the least he would not hesitate at all in any way shape or form. In fact, remember when Lazarus his friend died and it was took him 4 days to get there. Now he got word beforehand. Then he got word that he had finally passed on and it didn't seem to hurry him up and he made a comment to the guys that the glory of God's about to be revealed. In other words, he, it's like he almost slowed down and waited a little bit just so we could have a bigger show. And boy, I tell you, man, that was a show. <laughs> I mean, a dead man walks out after being dead for four days, and he's walking out at his own power. I'm telling you what, that's, that's a show. That got some attention. Well, the fact is, is Jesus had no problem drawing attention. Okay, He had no problem doing the works. Well, the Bible says what? You and I... Are to do the works of Jesus. Didn't he say that you would do these works and greater works Would you do? There's more of us to do them. The fact is, what we need to do is, is look at God and the way he is. How many agree that God is more than enough? He's never just enough. He's more than enough. He always does above and beyond. The Bible says he does above or he exceeds our imagination. He does super abundantly above and beyond. He's not average. Everybody get with me on that? He's not average, and you are his children. We're not average, amen? We are not average. We are not meant to be average. We're followers of Christ. Our whole goal in life, as I mentioned earlier, is to be more and more like him. And we need to ask, what did Jesus do? And then we do those things in our life. And be bold about it. He told us what? Go in my name and what? Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick. Right? I mean, he told us to do these things boldly. Not, I hope this works. I don't want to be embarrassed. They'll talk about me. You know? Let me pray. Come here. Come here. Don't want anybody to hear us. Okay. Boy, that's praying boldly that's just earth moving you know <laughs> i mean come on why not just be bold about it put god on the spot do you think listen do you really think your heavenly father is going to stand there and and just watch you and people make fun of you or is he going to stand and say i'm so proud of them man i tell you let's show off big gabriel let's let's do this big you understand what i'm saying? I mean, what I'm saying is if we will be bold for the Lord, if we would stand out for Him, if we would be fanatical in our life, He will show up on the scene. He will make good on His Word. He's not just going to leave you there hanging. I have seen it time and time again in my life where I would do things and I'd just step out there and I would tell them, I mean, God would just inspire me and i would tell them before the days out that pain will be gone that's a bold statement isn't it to say that but i am stepping out there why this person needs a jolt of faith and so i would say it and i'd declare before the days out in jesus name that pain will be gone in jesus name and now see that person didn't know anything about the lord they needed that and then all of a sudden the end of the day and they're thinking wow that that pains god Man, God's real. Man, I want Him. You understand? And then they start to cry out to the Lord. And then things change in their life. But see, we have to be bold. We have to step out, praise God, and not be ashamed. Let me ask you this question. But I want you to listen closely to this statement. If someone were to examine your life, would you be guilty of being a Christian without saying you're a Christian? Could they look at your life and narrow it down without you saying one word? Could they look at your lifestyle, but the choices you make, how you handle yourself, what you do with your finances, how you handle this, how you handle yourself in a tough situation? Could they say there's something different about you? You're not like the rest. You see, we're not meant to be average. Amen? We are not meant to be average. Well, this morning I'm going to start really fast. I said all that to get to this. Okay, you ready? Uh, don't worry, we'll finish it next week. But I'm going to give you six characteristics over the next two weeks of what a fanatical Christian would look like, what they would be, or their characteristics. So, what I want you to do is, if you got a piece of paper, I want we're going to do like an acrostic style. So, go F A N A T I C. All right, give a little bit of space. All right, we're only going to hit two of these points, these characteristics, this morning for the sake of time. But, so, again, these are characteristics, I believe, that a fanatical Christian should have in their life. And so the first one is F for fanatic, and it is a fanatic is fearless. So that's going to be fearless. Fearless. Now, you remember the story of Queen Esther? The great story we remember? It's a great example of being fearless. When the evil Haman petitioned the king to issue an edict that allowed for the killing of all the Jews in the kingdom. Queen Esther, who was a Jew, was in the position to save her people. Now, the Bible says, if you want to write this down, in Esther 4.14, she was conflicted about this because you don't just walk before the king. If she went to the king without being asked and he's not in the mood, <laughs> he, right there, her head could just be cut right off. That's the end of her you know or she could be thrown in a dungeon forever. So in other words her life is at the king's pleasure so to speak. So she knows I need to do something to help my people but I could die. I mean, he might not receive this real well. And Esther 4:14 says that God had placed her in the kingdom of in the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words that it wasn't a coincidence she's at where she's at. I want you to know, everyone here, look at me for a moment. It is not a coincidence you're here right now. It is not a coincidence that we're together in this church. It is not a coincidence that, that some of the things in your life are where they are. You're in the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Some people think they were born out of due time. In other words, they, they were, I don't feel like I mesh in. I don't know what God's called me to do trust the fact that as you pursue him it will be revealed to you more and more and more detail but the fact is is that esther was in this situation and had to be encouraged and the word of the lord was well esther perhaps god put you in the kingdom for such a time as this in other words could it be that god's whole plan with queen esther was to get her in the kingdom to save her people i really do believe so And so after fasting and praying, I want you to notice something. She had all the Jews. Everybody fasted. Everybody prayed. So is prayer important, right? That's what we see. She didn't just go wing it. She fasted and prayed. And then she boldly proclaimed this. After fasting and praying, she got enough strength to go with her people and said, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the right thing. So she's like, if I die, I die. And so she goes before the king and she asks to see the king and humbling herself before him. She requested protection for her people and the king issued a counter order. He didn't, remember, he's got to keep his word. He gave the word. He was tricked into giving the word to kill the Jews. So what he does is he gives the Jews power to protect themselves. And the other group doesn't know that the Jews are going to be protected. They're going to be ready for battle, in other words. And so one countered the other, and therefore the people were saved. But I want you to know something that's very important. It was because of Esther's fearless faith that her people were saved. In other words, Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What I want you to notice about this scripture is that God doesn't give fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Is there a spirit of fear? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Many of you have faced fear. You know what fear. I mean fear. I mean dread. You can almost feel it. All right, You're aware of it. You're afraid. Well, God did not give us that spirit. What spirit did He give us? Well, He gave us His spirit, Right? Full of power and of love and of the, uh, a sound mind, right? So can that counteract or push back fear? Absolutely. In other words, is God bigger than fear? Right? What I'm trying to say is this. Listen closely to what I'm saying. A fanatic for Jesus is fearless. What sometimes we have to do is face our fears head on. That didn't mean the fear went away. Esther said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do the right thing. After she fasted and prayed. What did she do? She saw her fear facing her and just decided to bowl right through it. I'm not going to let that stop me. And see, that's my point. You cannot let fear stop you from doing something. The Bible says God didn't give us that spirit. That spirit exists, but God didn't give it. But he gave me. A spirit of power, lose power, God's power. Amen, the Holy Spirit power. And He gave me a sound mind. And I have His love, and His love never fails. And so what I can do is I can see fear and say, Fear, you're there, but you're not stopping me. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to just do it afraid. There's many times in my life... I remember the first couple times I preached. Oh, dear God. You, the, the people wouldn't have it, but I mean, my knees were knocking, and I'm sweating profusely. And I mean, I, I had on a couple layers just so they would soak up all the water on the inside. And I'm just sitting there. And... <laughs> but what I decided to do is, okay, there's the pulpit. Bless God, I'm just going to do it. And I just did it afraid. I just did it afraid. And so I, just, I said, I'm not going to allow that fear to stop me from doing what God's called me to do. Amen? You need to ask yourself in your own life, Is fear stopped you from doing things? You just say, no. Fear is not going to stop me. Listen to me. You can't get rid of the devil, can you? Well, you can. <laughs> but there's only one way out. And that's death. Right? For now, anyway. Well, you can't necessarily get rid of the spirit of fear. You can tell it, you will not operate in my life, but I can't remove it altogether. You all understand what I'm saying? In other words, there's some things in life that we're just going to, you can't say, I'm going to wait until fear completely goes away. Well, you're going to be sitting a very long time. It won't just go away. You're just going to have to say, forget you. <laughs> and I mean, and do like David. Do you think David. There was a teensy bit of fear against Goliath. Think about it now. Goliath is this hulking, 10-foot, massive guy. I mean, huge. And David is a kid. I mean, he's this little, maybe about 17 years old. Somewhere in there, 16, 17 years old. And he's just a little scrawny kid. And here he is looking at David. But see, David didn't focus on the fear he didn't focus on Goliath what did he do he magnified his God and his word and said my God is bigger than him and so what did he do when it came time to face fear he did it in faith and the Bible says he ran after Goliath he faced his fear he just he, he just absolutely ignored it It didn't go away. Goliath was still there, and he still looked. And I imagine the shadow's getting bigger and bigger and bigger as he's getting closer. And then he finally pulls out that rock, does that thing, and he does it in faith, and God puts it right where it needs to be to take him out. But see, you're never going to experience any great things for God if you never face fear. If you never just say, you know what, bless God, I'm not going to let that stop me. There's many of you that might be able to teach and I'm not talking about necessarily preach, but God might have a gift in you to teach. And yet, because of fear, you won't even step out and try it. See, a lot, sometimes fear can stop us from doing so many things. Am I right, Larry, when you first started doing that? I know he was afraid. I remember his first message, about 10, 12 minutes long. And I'm like, okay. You know, that was my announcement. I'm just getting warmed up, <laughs> you know, and so. But he's not that way now. Now you just stand there, forty-five minutes to an hour, and say, "Pull him down." But see, my point is, he learned to just face that thing. When anybody else has done it, done the same thing. All right, you ready? The next letter is A, and that is for active. A fanatic is active. A fanatic is active. A, a fanatic is again not just a fan, comfortable to sit at home watching. Not a spectator. A fanatic is active. They are involved. They're doing something. Luke 10, 27. So we answered and said, this is Jesus speaking, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you this. God is saying what? Love God with what? Everything you are. Everything you do. Right? He's saying in words, in action, in thought, everything that you are, you love God. But remember what we've taught you, that love is meaningless without action. Love must have action. Love with just words is just nothing. But love must have action. Faith with action. You ought to write this down. Faith with action equals results. Faith with action equals results results. So in other words, the fanatic's life is filled with action. If we really believe the Word of God, then what do we do? We do it. If we really believe it, then we act on it. We, make, we, we begin to put it to work in our life. But see, someone who's not a fanatic, who's just a fan, says, so I'm not going that far. I mean, come on now. I'm not going to put that much effort and work into it. They really don't believe it. Everybody say, I'm a believer. So what do believers do? Believe. believe. In other words, I believe it, therefore I do it. I act on it, right? Now listen, Andrew Carnegie said this, As I grow older, I pay less attention to what men say, I just watch what they do. How many agree that actions speak louder than words, right? Right? Actions speak louder than words. In other words, we are to be active, we are to be doing something, not just talking something, not just watching something, but we're to get in the game and get involved. James chapter 2 verses 17 through 20, talking about faith. Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. What is faith by itself? Faith by itself is believing but not acting right that's what faith is there faith is it's believing it but not really doing something with it or not believing it to that level and so thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and what does he say and i will show you my faith what by my works i'm going to show you my faith by my actions You're going to see my faith. How many many agree that that sounds fanatical? You're seeing their life. They're not just talking it. You see it in their life. They're actually doing what they believe. That's faith. And what is faith? Remember what I give you. Faith with action equals results. Things change. Something happens, right? Well, he goes on to say this in verse 19. You believe that there is one God. You do well. <laughs> but he's not exactly cheering him on because he says even the demons believe and tremble. In other words, you believing in God. woo <laughs> I mean, so you believe in God. Well, the devil believes in God too. What, what, where are we going here? So he brings it back, verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, listen, that faith without works is dead. Faith without actions is useless. Just believing something but not acting on it doesn't produce anything, right? How many know somebody could get all the education they want, have all the PhDs they want, line their wall with their education, and if they don't act on anything that they got, what do they have? A bunch of what? Words on a wall. None of those words will buy you one cup of coffee even though there could be hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in that education. And you may know vast amounts of things, and you could still be pumping gas or doing something that has nothing to do with what you went and got educated for. Why? You have to act on what you learned. You have to take that and say, I'm going to apply what I learned and find a way to do something with it, and then what will it do? It will produce in your life. So in other words, just believing, just being a fan, watching, just coming on church and saying, well, that was a great message, Pastor. <laughs> and then you leave and go about your life and get lunch and, and you go do some housework and, and the whole week goes by and not one time did you give one thought to what we talked about and how I could apply it in my life. Did that word do you any good? That's like having a bunch of seeds but not planting them that's really what it is it's it's not again faith without action is dead it doesn't do anything believing without doing something with it is useless amen so that's not me (laughs) amen we're doers amen so listen i want to ask you real quickly then with that a fanatic is active are you active in your faith Are you actively spending time with the Lord through His Word and prayer? Are you actively witnessing to others? Are you actively obeying the Spirit of God in your life? Are you doing these things? And that's what a fanatic does. A fanatic will look at their life and say, well, what am I doing? What can I change? And how can I turn these things on? How can I be a doer? How can I begin to see these things in my life? So the question again today as we close... Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a fanatic? Go ahead and stand with me. I believe every Christian should strive to be a fanatic for Jesus. Listen to me carefully. This is what I believe in this regard. I believe that we should give everything for what we believe and who we believe in. Everything. Everything is laid out to the Lord. We believe in Jesus and what he did for us and is continuing to do in our lives. How many believe that Jesus isn't done with you? He's still doing things. Did you know that Jesus is ever interceding for you, our high priest in heaven? What is interceding? That means he's going to the Father on your behalf. He's speaking over you. Father, I healed them. Father, by my stripes they were healed. That you and I are in him and he'll not fail. Because the love of God's in him. He's speaking over us. He is ever interceding for us. Amen. That's why we should agree with the word of God. We should agree with what Jesus is doing. Because he's your. Listen to me carefully. Jesus is your greatest champion. He is cheering you on. He's there to help us. Amen. With everything in life. Amen. Doesn't that sound good? (laughs) Alert your faith. Jesus is Lord. Alert your mouth. Alert your face. Listen carefully. What I want to encourage you, lay down your lives for him. Amen. Let's truly live for him. As I said earlier, make every thought, every word, every action give glory to him in your life. Don't just let life pass you by. Don't get involved. Do something for the Lord. Become a fanatic. Amen. Don't be average. Amen. Did you get anything out of today?